Hi people and hello my Chili Con Carnage crew, it's Chili here from Live Listen Race bringing you a special episode. This one's going to be a tier list on all the NoFX albums. That's right, a highly original piece for YouTube and everyone to consume. Now, of course, if you're a NoFX fan, you don't want to hear me babble on too much about all of your favourite music and, well, it's all our favourite music too, so... Let's try and get into this because I plan to make plenty of mistakes that you can correct me on in the comments below. Let's get into the first album everyone. Oh and I forgot to mention that this tier list actually has special names for each tier so see if you can see what I have named them and for what reason. To start things off we're talking about 1988's album Liberal Animation, the first studio album by NoFX. Now, when it comes to NoFX and their early stuff, they kind of suffer this uh, very big problem where they're just all over the place, they're a bit sporadic, and they haven't refined their sound still, despite, I don't know, been playing around for about 10, close to 10 years at this stage, uh, you know, I think they started back in 83, whatever, five years, math was my perfect subject. Anyway, but, you know, shut up already. That's the first title of the song, and I'm just listening to myself, just thinking, hmm, I could take that advice under wing. And look... Outside of the opening track, there's not much really going for this album. It wasn't an album that I played a lot of, and not one I have really fond memories of. The band is unfocused, just vapid, I guess, and it just doesn't... It's not a good album overall. Unfortunately, this trend will follow for the next couple of albums, but we will get to the good stuff later on. So, yeah, Liberal Animation, for me, was not a strong record, you know, uh... Shut Up Already was a decent song. Uh, Beer Bong, again, is another solid track. Outside of that, there's just not much going on between these tracks that I really do enjoy. It's not an album I you know, come back too often. That's just it at the end of the day. I don't really hate it. I don't really have strong feelings for it. So, you know, clams have feelings too, everyone. Following year, NoFX would have a release that was called Maximum Rock and Roll. This is actually a compilation album of pretty much all their earlier EPs that were released a couple of years ago. And Fat Mike even said that he didn't know of this record's existence until he went through a punk record and, you know, went through flipping and saw that this album was around. I think he didn't know for like five or six years. In his own words, he does not like this album and he says, do not listen to this, it's shit. You know, that is what Fat Mike has to say about this record. This is no effects right in their early stages. We're talking mid-80s, all that kind of era. And it's no effects in a hardcore era. You know, it's a very different record. If you are a massive no effects fan or, you know, I've only heard a few of their tracks, you probably have heard nothing like what is on Maximum Rock and Roll. Unfortunately, not a very good album. Production-wise, it is terrible. Of course, it's just, you know, tape recordings of the band playing and not very well. So, typical punk rock records, in other words, especially of the 80s. But outside of that, you know, it's just, it's all over the place. It's really weird. And I don't really think there's anything noteworthy when it comes down to this. They did a cover of Black Sabbath's Iron Man. Yeah, cool. And that would come back a bit later on as well with a few other things. But outside of that, I don't know, Six Pack Girls was an okay track. But other than that, I have nothing else to say about this. It's not a good record. It's, you know, NoFX tried hardcore. This is the proof. And they just weren't that good at it. I know they loved that whole scene. But, yeah, this is, uh, unfortunately, a blip on their uh, history. 
And as Fat Mike has said, don't listen to this album. same year no effects would release another album this time called snm airlines and i gotta say what a fantastic album name as well as cover i mean there is just so much going on with this artwork we all know we all get it but still you know it is no effects a little bit coming into terms with what kind of comedy that would be right into we have tracks like day to days it's not bad five feet under yeah it's decent but again this is an album that i just never really felt strong about their early records are nothing that I, you know, they're nothing compared to what their later careers would be. And it's a band that is still a little bit unrefined and raw around the edges. They don't have the harmonies, they are just trying to pump out as many tracks as possible and pull them down the pipeworks, and it just doesn't really stick. You know, SM Airlines is kind of proof. They're finding their groundwork, but the next record will change these things a bit. In 1991, NoFX would release their album, Ribbed. And I gotta say, they do a fantastic job here on the album cover. It's not the last time either that they would do something like this, but this one kind of takes the cake for it. I mean, you're looking at it, we know what it is, paraphylactic everyone, and it is just incredible to hear, or sorry, to see it. You know, to hear it would be a different thing. But I gotta say, fantastic album cover, I've always loved it. But as far as the music goes, it's a different story. There are some tracks here that really do lay down the groundworks for a band coming into shape here. And you can hear it on tracks like Green Corn, The Moron Brothers, you know, and of course, Together on the Sand a little bit. But outside of this, it's not a very strong album again. And it's unfortunate because, you know, no effects at this stage have released three albums, at three attempts, I should say, at putting out these records. They're kind of finding ground. And I think Ribbed really did define them, put them a bit more on the map compared to their earlier two. But for me, I know I'm going to cop a lot of flack for this. I didn't really enjoy S. I didn't really enjoy, sorry, Ribbed that much. It's a decent album. It is a very decent album, but it's one that I really haven't felt too strongly for. At the end of the day, it's probably because I haven't listened to it a lot. I definitely brush over this one. I'd probably listen to one or two tracks. And then that's about it. I think they released a live version of this back in like 2018 where they performed the entire album live, you know, in celebration for it. And yeah, sure, that probably sounds like a good time to, you know, relive those times. But I just don't feel strongly for this album. So unfortunately for me, I would describe it as non-essential, even though I'm sure a lot of fans will be saying, no, this is where it really starts. For me, uh, no, I don't. I don't really like this album, so that's where I'm going to be putting it on the list. Two's White Trash, Two Heaps, and a Bean is where El Jefe joins the band and they have their perfect moment here. It is a very solid album by the group who have definitely found a way to make the band work. They're getting harmonies in, they're getting their rhythm section in tight, and 
everything's just coming together. It's a lot more solid compared to their earlier records, where Ribbed was, I guess, a bit more unrefined compared to this one, and I think that also comes down a bit to El Jefe joining the band. You know, this one just kind of gets the band in, and they gel very well immediately. You know, they just know what they're going to do. They're just writing it, and they're, bang, put it together in a record here. Very short record. It's like 32 minutes long. And everything's just coming together so well when you're looking over this. You've got Sold Out, Sticking in My Eye, Bob, You're Bleeding, all these cool tracks. Play, Please play this song on the radio. Always, always amazing. So I really love White Trash, Two He's and a Bean. It's an album I definitely don't play long, uh, much at all. It gets a bit overshadowed, I feel, by a lot more of the albums that'll come up later on. And it also has a really odd cover when you're looking at this one here. So it's one that I, I do love. I do like it. You know, Straight Edge is another cool one as well. And also the introduction of Lisa and Louise, some characters that will appear on future albums from No Effects. So a little shout out to those two characters. The album itself is a very solid one. I definitely need to play this one again because, yeah, like I said, it's one that I don't go to, don't go back to enough, and that's because there are other records that I just love to play and hear a lot more. But every time I do play White Trash, it's just wicked. It's highly enjoyable. It's fantastic. So I'm going to give a little bit of a backstory here before I go into my discussion on the next album. But this is actually from the NoFX autobiography, uh, The Hepatitis Bathtub. I believe I've shortened that one down a bit. But they were talking about how they first met, of course, Green Day's lead singer, Billy Joel. And in this instance, it was the band going to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers back in the, I want to say the late 80s, probably 80. 88 or something like that. Anyway, they went to go to a Red Hot Chili Peppers concert, and they went in, they saw the concert, then they came back out after it, hopped in their van, and they started driving it, gunning it down the highway, and then all of a sudden, there's this banging on the door from inside the van. They pull over, what the bloody hell is that noise? Have we got a flat tire or something like that? You know, they get out, they're checking the van's tires over, looking it over, and the banging just comes from inside the van this time. What the fuck? What's going on here? So, they open up their little slide door, and out pops this 14-year-old kid. Now, I know it sounds terrible. They are not Catholic priests, so it's not that bad. But still, at the end of the day, this kid just goes, Oh, shit, sorry guys, I uh, saw that your van was unlocked and I, I was drunk. I wanted to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers concert. I was drunk and I passed out in your van. Uh, sorry about that. And so technically the band, technically they um, kidnapped a child for a small time, but, you know, negle neglecting that side of things, that was the band's first introduction to Billy Joel. An interesting little story to say because this ties into their 1994 album, Punk in Drublick. It is their magnum opus, and I say this because... No effects were always a bit dissuaded by the fact that their albums had never broken into the scene. However, a lot of their contemporaries of the time were making it big. You had bands like Bad Religion just breaking it through. And of course, Green Day. I mean, 1994 was a huge year for punk rock. Dookie was released earlier that year. And Bad Religion's making it 
Break For It and all these other bands, especially from the California scene anyway, they're just doing massively. But here's NoFX, who have been doing it for years before most of these other bands, and they just hadn't got their dues yet. But all of that would change. So Punkin Drublet drops, and it is their magnum opus, everyone. This is essential listening to. If you have not heard of NoFX and you're wondering where to start, bada bing bada boom, this is where you go. Because Punkin Drublet is an amazing album, everyone. Gotta say, love that album cover. It's always caught me off guard. This was the first album that I bought by the group because I read somewhere that this was a really, really good punk rock album. And I was really getting into that shit back in the day. So just go out, buy Punkin Drublet. No regrets. No rugrats, we should say. It opens up with the perfect track of Linoleum jumping into Leave It Alone, Dig, The Cause. Don't Call Me White. My Heart Is Yearning. Odd track, that one. Perfect government. The bruise. I always loved the bruise. I always thought it was about just some people going out, getting drunk and stuff like that. Uh, it wasn't until I was reading up about this song not too long ago and I realized it was a little bit different, a bit of a attack on the oi rock and it's, you know, deep-seated racism and stuff like that. It was a different, yeah, it, it was a different take. I didn't realize the bruise was short for something else. Um, if you didn't know, it was the Hebrews. So, obviously, the band is part, you know, half the band is Jewish. So, yeah, it's uh, a very interesting uh, thing that I found out only very later on in the album's career. I've probably listened to this album, you know, this track for 20 years. I only discovered that recently. You know, yeah, I obviously didn't pay enough attention. But, yeah, then you've got other tracks. The, the Cause, spelt with Q-U-A-S-S. I, again, this is another thing I'm not entirely sure about, but whatever. Dying Degree, Fleece, Laurie Myers, really good track. Uh, Jeff wears Birkenstocks, Punk Guy, really sick one, um, all the way up to the end here, Happy Guy, Rico, Scavenger Type, all these songs, they just tied in so well, and it is such a perfect album, from start to finish, I would probably say there's only maybe one track that, one or two tracks maybe, that really aren't that good, but I wouldn't say they're terrible either, so yes, Punk and Drubbing really broke no effects through to the other side, and got them their rights as, I guess, punk rock icons, especially when you came through in the 90s. Bit of mixture of right place and right time as well, all things considered. 1994 was the year to break through as a punk rock star, especially if you're from the California scene. So, yes, Punk and Jublik earned its rights. It's earned its wings, everyone. It is such a good album. If you haven't heard it, definitely hear it. Definitely go out and play it. And i got to give a quick shout-out to I Heard They Suck Live, which was released the following year, and of course really encapsulates the band and the banter that they have between songs. Because yes, it's interesting to hear these songs played in a studio effort, but when you go and hear No Effects live or see them live, you kind of are cutting out all of the jokes and stuff between songs that they're always talking about, and punchlines and everything else between it and you know i heard they suck live really got to listen to that one it's fantastic to listen to all the banter in between all the songs so yeah essential listening people go for it It's interesting when you're looking over NoFX's chronological history of albums because when you go from 1994's, you know, Punk and Drublik, one of the best punk rock albums, especially of the 90s, and then you back it up two years later with Heavy Petting Zoo, 
which is such a failure. It is like two, not it's more than two steps backwards. You know, no effects just catapulted themselves overnight, pretty much to this standard, and then all of a sudden, heavy petting suit comes out, and you're really undoing what you've done. <laughs> Now, interestingly enough, this album's cover, I think, was banned in Germany, I want to say, and I'm not surprised when you look at the original album cover work. I don't even know if I'll be able to put it up, but if I do, well, if you're witnessing it without it being censored, congratulations, YouTube hasn't picked up on that yet. But other than that, they had to redo the artwork to what it is at the moment, which I'm still surprised past. Now... That aside, uh, the tracks themselves, some of them are decent, you know, there's the first track, Hobophobic, Scared of Bums, uh, Filthy Phil Philanthropist, but outside of these tracks, I guess there's not too much going for it, I don't really like too much of this, it's not memorable, there is nothing going for it, there's no absolute standouts besides really the first two tracks. Uh, odd note here, the 12th track, August 8th, is in regards to Jerry Garcia's death, even though he died on August the 9th, I think it was, and that was just Fat Mike getting it wrong, and now it's forever memorized onto a record as being Fat Mike being incorrect, I guess, and being an idiot, so, pff, take that, Fat Mike. Anyway, yeah, Heavy Petting Zoo, not a very good album. is Heavy Petting Zoo was, to put it bluntly, really shit. So, of course, So Long and Thanks for All the Shoes would be vindication for the band. This album is just incredible. I think it's the second album I ever bought by them. And i got to say, the album cover is so freaking basic. <laughs> what is this? Napoleon Ice Cream with the NoFX logo on the top? I don't know. But i like to see that the band has included a nod to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy here. So Long and Thanks for All the Shoes being a nod to So Long and Thanks for All the Fish. Of course, they always do this as far as their music. They've done it for a long time and done lots of wordplay with various tracks and albums. And you'll see this further along as well. But some of their tracks, for example, is, you know, Flossing a Dead Horse, where it's Flogging a Dead Horse. Uh, Eat the Meek, <coughs> Court in Session, where it's a court, Q-U-A-R-T. And a few other tracks that'll come along further up. But this album is so good. It's another essential listening to. Despite that album cover, ignore it. you got to go and listen to this album because it's my job to keep punk rock elite. It's a fantastic opener to it. Kids of the K-Hole, absolutely incredible. Murder the Government, this short, less than one minute song that just is absolutely great. The next track I will butcher, Monosyllabilic Girl, I think it was, monosyllabilic, yeah, monosyllabilic girl, a girl that can only talk with one syllable words, so yeah, this whole story in 54 seconds, and usually the band do five tracks in five minutes, and include those two tracks in the mix here, with three other songs, so it's always cool to hear that, you know, there's still a whole bunch of other tracks here that are just sensational, all out of angst, all the suits are torn, uh, Champalises, which I'm pretty sure is a nod to a French musician, I just cannot remember the name of, but then you've got other tracks, Dad's Bad News, Dad's Bad News, Kill Rock Stars, another cool one, uh, and yeah, Flossing a Dead Horse is one that I always love hearing when you're getting towards the end there, but yeah, this whole album is so good, it's a, again, it's another short, 
record, 33 minutes or something like that, and just one that I really do enjoy just coming back to and playing this over and over and over again, because, yeah, like I said, it's like my second NoFX album, a lot of memories behind these songs, and it's really quite flawless almost. You know, there are a couple of tracks here and there that'll probably be a skip, but other than that, a very strong album, highly recommend, and of course, essential NoFX listening. In 1999, the band would release a new single. Now, of course, no effects for the past 10 years of their life had been releasing various singles, and all of this will come up in an album a bit later on. But this one is special unto itself. It's one track only. And, of course, it's the 20-minute track, The Decline. A bit unheard of when it comes to punk rock to do long songs. I mean, shit, when it comes to punk rock, you're always trying to do it under three minutes or less. So when the when NoFX came in and said, yeah, let's do a long track here, we're going to do a 20-minute song. It's just next level. And The Decline tells this really interesting story, uh, you know, behind uh, shooting a gun to then it clips over to some part else. And I don't want to give too much away, I guess, when it comes to the song. You've got to listen to it. You've got to listen to it because it is such an interesting story behind the music and all the movements. It's the most complex piece of music that NoFX have ever written, of course. From what I understand, they absolutely hated the recording of this. It took several months, it took several visits and revisits to the studio, as opposed to, you know, other tracks that they could probably nail out in a minute or two. So, I can understand why they fucking hated it. In, in I'm pretty sure Fat Mike said of the record, they really fucking hated recording this song. But the end result is absolutely fantastic. The band wanted to try something different, they did it. They really did it here. So, it's phenomenal when you're listening to this i've had the chance actually to see no effects perform this song live and that was like my favorite moment of seeing them you know i, I cannot say <laughs> i can say this is probably my favorite no effects song i would dare say it's my favorite no effects song so the fact that they played it live at the show that i was at and it was like my ideal punk rock show as well friends of ron were opening for them there Australia's version of No Effects, I would say. So, yeah, there's something else for you guys. If you're American and you love No Effects or f from somewhere else outside of Australia and you don't know who Friends of Rom is, check them out. Friends of Rom is highly loved by No Effects. They absolutely, No Effects absolutely love Friends of Rom. And I'm pretty sure a uh, few of their records are released under Fat Mike's record labels, uh, Fat Records. So, do check out Friends of Rom too. But, yes. The Decline, everyone, the 20-minute-long song. It was also done live at the Red Rocks only a couple of years ago. I think three years ago they re-released it, re-recorded it, performed it live. You know what I'm fucking saying. Anyway, and of course, it's just got Donald Trump on the front with a missile. Fantastic. And I believe it's an orchestral version. Odd. <laughs> so yes, a very cool album, or single, I should say, by the band. And I think it's going to be, out of all the fans, it's probably their favourite single. Without a doubt. Year 2000, NoFX would release their album Pump Up the Valium. And I gotta say, it is absolutely fantastic they managed to get that nurse from that Blink 182 album to pose for this album's cover. Absolutely incredible. Now, that aside, this album 
is my third album that I bought by NoFX and one that I absolutely love. This album for me is one of my favorite NoFX records. So I might be giving away the answer of where it sits on the tier list. But it's also got a lot of uh, tracks on here that are just anthemic and people love. You know, Dinosaurs Will Die. Thank God it's Monday. Uh, Louise, I always found an intriguing and funny song. Pharmacist Daughter, Bottles to the Ground was one. Clams, they, uh, sorry, Clams Have Feelings too. Actually, they don't. The fact that you're looking up, this, you know, the actual anatomy of a clam and telling me all these facts about clams in a song of, a punk rock song of all things. It's just incredible. So, the fact that I learned about clams more so in a NoFX track, that's just next level. Uh, take two placebos and call me lame. Fantastic. And what's the matter with parents these days, which probably seems ironic given Fat Mike's, you know, history at the moment. <laughs> I wonder if he realized uh, Dinosaurs Will Die would actually appear appeal to him now more than ever. So, interesting. There's also the track My Vagina, which seems to have aged like... Mm, well, perfectly for this day and age. And if you haven't heard of the track, you really got to, because I just feel like it will really hit the heartstrings at the moment. So yeah, this album for me is flawless. I, I gotta say, essential listening. You gotta play it. It's one that you gotta pick up and play, and play it loudly. Because at the end of the day, Pump the Volume is a fantastic album, and it does deserve its spot on the tier that I've put it on now. Two years later, in 2002, NoFX would release another compilation album. This time, of course, Fat Mike would know about it. It was called 45 or 46 songs that weren't good enough to go on our other records. Which is ironic, because I think it's actually got 47 tracks on it. Depends how you look at it, I guess. But this is a collection of songs from all their singles and EPs that were released throughout the past couple of years, all onto one record. So it's, you know, I guess... It's a re-release of all their previous material at the end of the day. Technicalities at the end of it. But, you know, it's interesting to put all of these tracks into one piece and then, you know, give you the option to buy this one album as opposed to about ten others. I think the last half of the album was the last two uh, EPs that the band had released. One was called Surfing, I think. And that was a Nod to Suffer by Bad Religion. And, of course, there was another track, as well, another EP that I am just can't remember right now. But, you know, outside of this, uh, the track's cool. I wouldn't say it's all great. The first track, Pimps and Hookers, was an original one written for this uh, album. But there's, I don't know, there aren't that many good tracks on this. There's some cool ones, you know, Drugs Are Good or whatever. We Threw Gasoline, See uh, Her P, Zyklone B, Bathhouse, Ouch. That's brutal. Uh, but, you know, there's... Overall, you can see why these things were left off as either B-sides or put onto singles elsewhere. You can kind of... You can really see why. So, yeah, it's interesting. If you've gone through all of NoFX's catalogue, check it out. Because there might be something here. Especially the latter half of this. I always feel like when I'm going through this album, I should start at the end as opposed to the beginning. So, anyway. Yeah. Check it out. I guess it deserves its spot where it's going to sit on the tier list because it's ironic. It will sit right there.
around about 2002, 2003 is when I started to get into NoFX. And of course, this all culminated when it came to their release War on Errorism in 2003. I believe the opening track, The Separation of Church and Skate, was my first introduction to the band, and that was on a Tony Hawk's Pro Skater game. I want to say it was on Thug, but anyway, someone can correct me if I'm wrong there. There was another couple of tracks here that I always loved, and of course the album cover was one of the most interesting ones they had there, especially around the time because, you know, Bush was highly influential, always on the news, and here he is painted as a clown. Very topical. Of course, Fat Mike was starting to get into politics around about this time, and, you know, as opposed to all the rather efforts which were fairly tongue-in-cheek or gallows humour in sense, this one took on a bit of a political spectrum. So... There are tracks that are like Franco Un-American, uh, The Irrationality of Rational, Rationality and other songs here where, yes, it takes on a political edge, but not all of it does, and I guess that's a bonus, that it's not all focused on one thing, you know, so that is going for it. Now, I love this album because I played it so many times, so for me, it's a nostalgia factor going over these songs, Mattersfield Decomposer, uh, Mediocre, Anarchy Camp which I think also shouts out to a fair few of the uh, musicians around about the time. I'm pretty sure there was also a reference to AFI, if I'm remembering the song right. But, you know, of course, the first couple of tracks off this album were just incredible. And then you go into the latter half, also really cool. And then it closes off with the acoustic, whoops, I OD'd. Bit dark, but hey, that's no effects. They never backed away from that kind of stuff. Yeah, so for me, this one sits up pretty highly. In 2006, NoFX would release the album Wolves in Wolves Clothing, and for me, this is an album I often forget about. I mean, I know, of course, of the massive song, Scene Double at the Triple Rock, it's a massively anthemic track, but this is an album that I often forget about because, yeah, it doesn't really have that many memorable songs. There's some cool tracks here, yeah, the first half of the album's decent, 60% US A-holes, of course, we march to the beat of indifferent drums, but at the end of the day, this is just one of those albums I didn't really care for at the time. You know, again, I, I didn't even remember it coming out. I remember seeing it when I was overseas, and there was a, you know someone selling CDs, and I was like, oh, it's an LFX record I don't have yet. I bought it, listened to it probably once or twice, and I went, yeah, this isn't that good. It just wasn't memorable. There was nothing on here that I really enjoyed, and I already had seen Double at the Triple Rock on another CD at the time anyway. So for me, the only reason I would have gone back to this yeah, is already gone. So yes, again, this is an album I just didn't really play too much. Maybe people have better feelings for this album. For me, it's okay. You know, it's not bad. It's just not really great. This album came out. 2009, NoFX released Coaster. And I remember just looking at this thing and it was like the dullest record cover they ever had. But I absolutely cracked up because they're using their CD as a drink coaster. Which I, of course, did. Yeah, so I think my NoFX album of the same name has a very distinct drink stain around it. But anyway... 
that was Coaster for me, and I liked it. It was a pretty cool album, but this marks the point when NoFX started to really shift uh, their lyricisms and stuff like that. They had done so a bit in the past, especially with you know War on Errorism, but this is where the cracks can be seen. We called it America as a fantastic opener. The Quitter was also a nice little follow-up as first call. Outside of the first three tracks, we hit the pretty dark and depressing song, My Orphan Year. You know, and this is, I guess, the first track when it comes to the band's history that it gets extremely serious. <clears throat> it gets very dark. And we feel the pain, I guess, of Fat Mike in regards to this track. It was a dark year for him especially when around about this time. But it is more so felt in regards to the lyrics. So, yeah, if you don't know, Fat Mike's parents obviously died around the time of this recording, and he put it to a record. He didn't have a great relationship with his dad, but his mum more so, of course. And this is a massive separation from their tongue-in-cheek gallows humour comedy in previous writings to dead-set serious writing in regards to this one so we'll see this in future records as well so keep this in mind but outside of that there were some other cool tracks here i liked blasphemy the victimless crime creeping out sarah was an odd track in hindsight especially with the allegations that came out regarding fat mike a bit later on down the uh, line there now whether or not you choose to believe the stories that came out it's up to you I think Fat Mike has given his two cents on the matter, and that's in regards to, um, I think it was Paramore's lead singer, I can't remember her name, Hayley Williams, you know, I think there's, uh, look, I'm not going to give my two cents on that fucking thing, you can watch his, you can watch both of them talk about it, you can watch both of them and come to a decision, but Creeping Out Sarah is not exactly doing any good things to, you know, his story. Uh, the rest of the album is decent enough, you know, Eddie Bruce and Paul was kind of interesting, Best God and Show, yeah, Suits and Ladders, yeah, but then you go on like, I Am an Alcoholic and One Million Coasters towards the end, yeah, it's kind of cool. So Coaster, yeah, this is an album that I kind of enjoyed, it just sits in the middle of the road as far as NoFX albums goes. At least 2009's Coaster wasn't the only release by NoFX that year. Of course, there was the EP Koki the Clown, and what would probably become one of the most famous album covers or EP covers for NoFX in regards to their history. Fat Mike, dressed as a clown, taking on the older ego of Koki the Clown, a drug-abused clown. Essentially himself. So, yes, it's a mirror image of himself in a euphemism. And Koki the Clown is a really cool track. Straight Out of Massachusetts is another good track as well, but let's not take away from the first song here. Koki the Clown is really underplayed, I think, during a lot of their live gigs. It's a song that I don't go back to nearly enough as much as I should. I remember buying this EP and I think I mixed it with a few other NoFX songs on something later on down the track. But yeah, this is um, a solid EP, a very solid one, that very first... Four, four track. There's only five tracks on this, so it's only ten minutes long. 
you know, you'll be playing it through very quickly when you're going over it. Cokey the Clown, very solid. Straight out of Massachusetts, pretty good damn song. Fermented and Flailing, Codependence Day, and of course it closes off with my more my Orphan Year acoustic version, which is probably the better way to play that song. But again, that's where we are hitting the dark spot within NoFX's career. So yeah, I think it sits where it sits for a reason on my tier list. Twelve's album self-entitled is probably the last good no effects album they have made yeah, except for maybe one more but you know what this was really the last time that they did the energy of their previous songs in here for most of the part anyway you open up with the fantastic song 72 hookers I love that song so much there is so much going on in that track fantastic lyrics and when they play it live it's just next level you follow it up with I Believe in Goddess, which is also sick. Ronnie and Mags, very much in your face in regards to the lyrics and what they're about. But then you follow it up with She Didn't Lose Her Baby, of course, another dark song. Now, the rest of the album kind of just flows in and out here and there with some pretty sick songs along the way. You know, Christmas has been X'd, which I think was also on an EP following up soon. And there's a few other songs, Sell Out, which is odd because it's like electronic. And it also addresses, you know, being the punk rock musician that Fat Mike is and getting called out by another fan saying, why don't you sing songs like you used to back in the 90s? And then writing this song about this view in such a different style as opposed to what you would be expecting. So, yeah, that's a kind of cool little mix. Just didn't really dig that whole electronic Game Boy sound, so besides that, yeah, it's it's a solid album. I think it is a very solid album and highly enjoyable for what it's worth. So now we're going to talk about some short EPs that were released around this time. The first one is Christmas Has Been X, which is a three-track EP. It's like seven minutes long, everyone. It takes the song from the previous album, self-entitled Christmas Has Been X, and adds two more tracks to it. Christmas Has Been X was a great track, and New Year's Revolution isn't too bad either. War Out Souls of My Party Boots isn't too bad of a song. Not as good as the first two, I would say. So, yeah, it sits somewhere in the middle for me. next EP that NoFX would release would be called Stoke Extinguisher, and I just didn't like this album cover. It felt really odd to look at, I don't know. But that aside, uh, again, there is, I believe in Goddess, it's a, sorry, a six-track EP. It's a decently long one this time. Yeah, 13 minutes. Uh, I believe in Goddess, a demo version is on here. Yeah, wow. Uh, not like you could listen to that on the previous album. Uh, but then you have, of course, The Shortest Pier and Stoke Extinguisher. Yeah, not bad. I like The Shortest Pier, actually. Um, I didn't mind Stoke Extinguisher. Then, of course, you got War Out with the Soul of My Party Boots. Again, 2012 version, apparently. Uh, my stepdad's a cop and my step stepmom's a dom. Jesus. Say that five times as fast, everyone. I dare you. 
but you know, it's decent enough track. And New Year's Revolution again, which was from the previous EP. So why would you bother going to Christmas has been X when you could listen to bloody uh, this one? I don't know. Hmm. But still, I would say that this EP is better than Christmas has been X'd, only slightly. But I'm going to put it in the same tier level, tier level anyway at the end of the day. take the band four years until they release their next record first ditch effort and this is where everything's just pulling falling apart the seams the band is just really in a dark head space here you know there is a lot going on at this album and and when you open up with six years on dope obviously the story of um smelly and getting off you know dope in regards to it then it is a dark song of course it's a very dark track it's a good song surprisingly it's a really great track but still it's a very very uh dark album moving aside from here you got happy father's day and it kind of just goes on this is a really drab album for me very drab the only thing breaking up the monotony of all these heavy and you know um uh, all these heavy songs with weighty issues, you know, tied to them. Is a couple of tracks here and there, like Sid and Nancy, which still talks about the death of Sid and Nancy around that time, anyway. So yeah, there is a, a band that's in a dark headspace, just talking about death and desolation, and you know, everything so serious. And this is from a band that almost 20 years earlier. We're singing songs about how clams don't have feelings. So, how you get from here to there is obviously in the path that you take, I guess. But it is a sad sight to see. You don't want to be, I guess, the last person at a dying party. But this does feel like a party that is dying when you're listening to it. I think when I'm looking over this, the Sabia Toned album cover is a great analogy for what's within. You know, it's a very it, it lacks color is what i'm saying it lacks vibrancy so it's it's really not an it's an album i haven't gone back to since it was released there was not a lot that i really wanted to for some reason i find the commentary of this much more entertaining than the album itself because yeah they tell the stories of behind each track and all that but i just didn't find the tracks overall that good so for me, this this is non-essential listening. I would not listen to this again, except for the first track. But the time COVID came around, No Effects had released a couple of singles and were hinting at a new album to be released. This came in the fact, of course, with Just the Flu, I Love You More Than You Love Me, and Linoleum, a reworked version of their song from all the way back on Punkin Trublic, but this time teaming up with Avenged Sevenfold to do the song. I remember that it got a bit of flack because, well, they're touching the sacred song Linoleum, and it's with Avenged Sevenfold? Yeah, it's a decent enough cover, or cover I should say, it's a decent enough, decent enough reworked edition. I don't know what to say at the end in regards to that one though. It's alright. I didn't hate it. Let me put it that way. The single album, though. It's an okay album. And it was okay. It was okay for the time. I probably haven't gone back to it again because there wasn't too much that was memorable for it. 
you know, outside the big song Linoleum. I remember Fish in a Gun Barrel wasn't a bad song. Uh, I Love You More Than I Hate Me was a pretty solid effort. The big drag was... It went for a long time. It's like a six-minute track. A lot of just intro shit going on there. So the album itself, I don't know, it, it it's always just been there in the background. You know, when it comes to their last two albums, you know, single album and double album, yeah, this one was not as good as the next one. And it just kind of felt like a shame really going over this one and going, oh, yes, new NoFX album. Nothing really stands out. Nothing. So it wasn't horrible, though. I, I did like it, but there was just not a lot going for it. So it's very middle of the road as far as I'm concerned, which is why I'm going to stick it where it is on the tier list. Ah, uh, yes, the last No Effects album, everyone. Double album that was only released last year. Shortest one, I think, in their career at under 30 minutes. It's 10 songs, 27 minutes long. But then again, when you look over it, it's actually two albums in one because you're supposed to have the single and double one. So, hey, team that up if you will. Now, the double album is better than the single album. It is much better. I prefer this one. And I don't care what the numbers say because it is a solid effort compared to the previous one. Darby Crash In Your Party was a cool song. Uh, my favorite enemy, interesting enough. Fuck Day 6, again, another song about heroin and all the rest of that. No, sorry, I think it was about drinking, wasn't it? I can't remember. It's definitely something to do with drugs, though. <laughs> But yeah, it was a interesting song to go alongside of it. But you know, then you, the the whole album outside of this, you know, punk rock cliches, uh, too soon if time is relative, and all the rest of that alcohol, alcohol, yeah, that track, <laughs> track number eight, is all solid out, you know, all solid efforts by the band. I feel for their last album and I guarantee this will be their last album because you know the band are calling it quits are doing the last world tour currently as this video is coming out uh, it's not a terrible way to end your career on it's not exactly the highlight but good luck trying to I guess force one more out in time for the end of your career I think that this is where it should end for the band and at the end of the day the ride that they've had has been very entertaining and we're glad to have set you know sit there and watch what has come past so the double album isn't a bad album definitely better than the previous effort So that does it as far as no effects albums ranked on a tier list I know I didn't absolutely cover everything if I covered every single EP then this would just go twice as long. And you guys got better things to do. You could listen to an OFX album or two by the time you've finished watching this episode. So go and listen to an OFX album. But if you're still here, I'd like to thank you again for watching this. I want to give a shout out as well to a few albums that definitely weren't covered here. And that is, for example, the longest EP, which I bought back in the day. And I did enjoy that. You know, there was a few tracks on there that were really cool. And I thought that was a pretty solid little compilation album by the band also the backstage passport album soundtrack and it had a pretty interesting you know a couple of songs there that were just made on a whim 
And if you haven't seen it and you're an LFX fan, highly recommend to check out NoFX Backstage Passport. And that is, sorry, Backstage Passport, whatever the fuck it was called. It's basically the documentary that NoFX made back in around 2012, somewhere around that time. And they went to all these countries that they wouldn't regularly tour. And they were, you know, very unsafe countries and places that you just wouldn't expect the band to go see. I think there was, like, for example, the band going to uh, Singapore, performing there for their first time. And they had to print out A4 pieces of paper and do their own promotion for the concert because no one had heard of it. You know, uh, well, sorry, no, no advertising was done. They did their own promotion for all their gigs, essentially. And, you know, they would go out and hang flyers out. And then they're playing at Singapore. And then they get drugs at Singapore. I mean, we're talking about the country that has a death penalty for any drug users. And here's the documentary to prove that we did this thing. Fuck. <laughs> Nut jobs. But seriously, there is some really cool stuff. Like the one how they get absolutely screwed over in Russia. Uh, because no one knew they were coming to Russia. And I think their passports weren't, you know, part of the working visa system or something. So that was a really cool part in that, as well as um, their manager at the time. They were on the train, and he gets absolutely hammered drunk to blackout stage and just passes out, and that's funny as hell. Uh, there's also the guys in, I think it was Malaysia, who, who had never done crowd surfing. So when the band were doing the whole gig you know, in the underground section, it was quite cool to see these guys jumping on stage and then you know, Fat Mike kicking them off like, come on, jump in there, get in there, get in there. So yeah, the backstage passport, really cool. So that is at least two uh, albums that I wanted to give a shout out to. Oh, and of course, they've actually gotten worse live. Still a cool live album. So yeah, band that we all love and enjoy everyone because NoFX is absolutely awesome. Be interesting to see what they do moving forward. It's unfortunate that they are coming to a close, but hey... The party's got to come to a close sometime, and we at least have all the music here on offer. Thank you for the music, and I'm going to take these shoes and fuck off now. If you've enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave us a like, subscribe if you can as well. We're a small channel, and we're always looking for more people to join the crew. Make sure to also take my YouTube logo, print it out, and stick it into vinyl record covers, so that when people buy their vinyls and open it up, they think that they're getting a present, but instead they're getting some YouTuber's random little video. As always, people, you have a great day. Make sure you stay spicy. Enjoy yourselves out there. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Live Listener Race. And if you have enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with all your friends. Don't forget to subscribe to our Chili Con Carnage crew so you can get notified for all the future videos that we put out, as we put out videos every Friday. Also, we are on Discord, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter over at Live Listener Race, so make sure to tune in over there. And don't forget to like this video so that our manager can stay very happy.